You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Let's make this older, dumpier, and whiter. (laughs) Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. How about a fastball on the outside corner? Got him. Seven brilliant innings for Kyle Gibson. Got him. Nice. Kyle Gibson has pitched his best against the best this year. 20 innings pitched. Against the Yankees and the Red Sox, he has given up just three runs to those two powerful lineups and just 12 hits. This is a fun place to pitch. You know, uh, their fans bring it every night, and uh, they got a really good team over there. But you know, we've been playing really well. Defense played great tonight. Bobby did a great job back there, uh, mixing in the right pitch at the right time. And we knew this was going to be a battle. And you know, uh, thankfully, the defense made a lot of great plays because. I definitely wouldn't be that deep into the game without the defense. That's uh, that's amazing. So twenty innings for Gibby against those teams and only three runs. That would Dick yeah. Kramer said. Yes, it is. That's... It's been fantastic at uh, against Boston and the Yankees. That's pretty 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 good. It's impressive. I, I get. Hey, listen. I give him a ton of credit because a year ago I I was just done. I was just done with the whole thing. I was done with him moping yeah. around and and the and for him to come back the way he has and pitch like this. I would have told you that I could never see this coming. But you know what? And and by the way, it wouldn't be... I, we'll unveil him as we try to track him down, but it wouldn't be this particular guest if we didn't have a little trouble tracking him down. So we're we used hoping to, to reconnect with a long-time We used to back in the day, favorite. so we might as well now. <laughs> um, on, on Gibson, I don't think... I don't think you were wrong on him or or I because I was I was with you wrong on him based on what we knew when he was a 29 year old who had been in the league for like four years and had or maybe five like based on what we knew about him and based on the fact that he didn't miss bats he didn't have a strikeout pitch for all those years the opinion on him last year was fair like hey go prove it you can't just pitch well for a month and all of a sudden you've turned a corner. But obviously, he's he's developed a strikeout pitch. His slider has uh, has just become more honed as an out pitch. Mm-hmm. It's devastating. He's got one of the best sliders slash breaking balls in the major leagues when he's on. And so there's a story here. I'm just going through MLBTradeRumors.com. There's all kinds of stuff. Every day, there's just new updates. And now, as of a half hour ago, the Twins have fielded inquiries on right-hander Kyle Gibson, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post. But they're more interested in dealing their impending free agents than Gibson, who is controlled through 2019 and is in the midst of a breakout season. The former first-round pick was brilliant against the Red Sox last night, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and, and that's the stance they should take. I think they should play it close to the vest on Gibson. Just hold your cards close. If a team wants a year and a half of Gibson and two stretch runs, they have to overpay for it. Yes. Because you could still go into next year, and if your team is toiling again and he's going to be a free agent, they're still going to be... Five teams looking for a starting pitcher if he's if he's pitching this way again in a year from now, mm-hmm. and you could still get something of value for him. Or if you think you're going to contend, you get a really good number three starter in your rotation for six months next year. If you go through the, the list of guys we have talked about them trading, which is Duke, Rodney, Lynn, Escobar, and Dozier, 
Escobar's going to be to hit the market, but I think there's value there because of his position flexibility. Yeah. But those uh, those Duke, Rodney, Lynn, and Brian are going to get you a little something back. They're not going to get you a ton. Yeah. All right. He's he was one of our favorite guests on the show for a number was, of years. Was and, was and oh, still we is. and we welcome him back to the Mackey and Judd show. He remains one of our favorite guests. Yeah, we just one. never get to talk to him. Dan Gladden, welcome back, sir. How you guys doing? We've missed very you. good. We're not going to lie. We've missed your uh, your weekly banterings. Uh, well, I miss talking to you guys. I'm uh-huh. in route right now to Cooperstown on the highway. We're about, I guess, 30 miles out from Cooperstown. Alone or with a uh, tra- traveling companion? Uh, uh, Dustin Morris with uh, the art department, and then of course the president Dave St. Peter. Ooh, so wow. I can pass the phone around if you want. Well, I just don't say anything untoward here, okay? There's uh, there's not much margin for error for you the next 10 minutes. Okay. That's not going to be easy. <laughs> um, I want okay. I just want to. I want to go right because Jack Morris is going in the Hall of Fame. This is a. This is one of the more noteworthy classes. If you like Jim Tomey, uh, you've got six big time headliner names here. But I want. I've seen a couple conflicting versions of what happened in the dugout conversation. Dick Such, Tom Kelly before the tenth inning. Can you tell that story from your vantage point again when you guys were grinding out Game Seven and Jack Morris was. Was through nine innings. From from your point of view, what what were the conversations? Well, my point of view, I wasn't kind of privy to what they were talking about. I know that uh, okay, we this lost is the problem when you're traveling it. through New York. No, this is the problem when you're no. traveling to Cooperstown, where my guess is the cell service is absolutely <laughs> awful. I was worried about or, this. Or you know what might have happened there? Dave St. Peter might have pulled the plug on that conversation. Or you think he, decided... he was about to maybe give up some twin secrets there. Not sure. <laughs> or he's just mad that he's not on the flagship. <laughs> Perhaps that's what Dave's upset about. Because I saw, I saw another account that Tom Kelly basically went to Dick Such and said, tell him he's done. And D- Dick Such goes, I think he's going pretty good, TK. <laughs> <laughs> or Dick Such said, you tell him. You tell him, Tom. I'm not telling him. They were both so scared look to, at him. to look him in the eye and walk up to him. that pa- So passive aggressiveness uh, won out. It's Minnesota. All right. All right, Gladys. Sorry, we lost you there. The uh, the outstate New York reception got us. Continue. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I was just telling I wasn't privy to that conversation with uh, TK and, and Suchi and Jack. But, um, you know, Jack was getting stronger and stronger as that game went along, as you could I think the ninth inning, the seventh pitch inning, and then uh, had maybe a ninth pitch inning in the tenth inning. So if it would have gone longer, Jack would have gone longer. Hey, Danny, among uh, baseball accomplishments that you saw during the course of your career, where did it rank to see a guy in in, in that predicament pitch that well and and continue pitching? I, I mean, that's that's off the charts, really. You know, it, it was, but it was one of those games that, uh, you know, Smoltzy even pitched well for the Atlanta Braves that game, and it's just the atmosphere and to be able to be in game seven like that. Um, and, and the drama just seemed to build and build and build. And I think that uh, Jack fed off it, and I think everybody did. So uh, it was just one of those those games that you can, you know, I even go back and, and sit and watch some of the videos of it and forget about some of the things that actually happened in that game. What's going through your mind as a player when you're in a game like that? I mean, you know it's becoming a classic, and as the game evolves, can you appreciate that at the time at all, or is that impossible to do as the game is going on? You know what? I recognize it was going to be a classic game after game six. When we walked in that clubhouse, and there was Jack Morris in front of his locker, and the people were talking to him about game seven, we just looked at Jack and the confidence that everybody had in Jack 
and the confidence that Jack had in himself, uh, how he displayed it and the, and the calmness that he had, you knew you had a good feeling going into game seven tomorrow. So I really think it started knowing, uh, you know, after game six that this game seven was going to be special. Yeah. Does it bother you that it took a veterans committee to put him in? No. I think that as long as he's in, um, I think it's worthy. Um, you know, like you said, there's a class, I think, six going in there, and every one of those guys is worthy of going into this Hall of Fame this year. Yeah. Uh, you got to have an Alan Trammell story or two. What was, what was he like to be around? I got two years with Alan Trammell over there, and, you know, what I came away with Trammell was the fact that him and Lou Whip, I think, longer than anybody else. So um, he had such good hands, and I remember both that. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. Oh. Let's try it. Let's try one more time. Sure, I love this. Yeah, this is, no, it's, this is great. I just I know. It's, we've all been through that part of How close the, uh, how close are we the state of New to York. cell phones being damn near perfect, do you think? Well Like I, this used to happen all the time. I know that there's like a two hour stretch when you drive from here through like to Madison. Or like you can just you can just kiss your phone goodbye. Right. Anyways, okay. All right, back to Alan Trammell there. Back okay. to, go ahead. Just, you know, he, he had such great hands, and I think that, uh, you know, we went out one time, and he ended up handing him a beer, and he ended up dropping it. And it seemed like every time you handed him something, he would drop it. But on the baseball field, he had such great hands. <laughs> <laughs> How could you drop a beer? All right, Gladdy. Jud, Jud would, uh, would hold a funeral for that beer right then and there, probably. Gladdy, oh, I... God, yes. I have to ask you a question that if you still joined us on a weekly basis, I could have asked you long ago. But I saw you right before the uh, trip uh, that the Twins took where they spent a week in Chicago and then Milwaukee. Uh, What was that like for Dan Gladden to get a a glorious week in Chicago straight and then then cap it off with a trip to uh, play the Brewers? Well, I thought that the whole week was fantastic in Chicago and the fact that uh, it might have been overhyped a little bit, but... uh... I had kind of I had family in in Chicago, so uh, it uh, was tempered a little bit. But uh, you know it, that city is one of the best cities to go to, and uh, of course Milwaukee is also right. The place to go is a good time to to go to Milwaukee as well. Can you give me a over under on beers consumed during the course of said trip? Uh, I could, but I don't do beer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! You're putting him in a really. Difficult he only joins us right once in a while now. I want to know. You're putting him in. Such I want to diff- know. Blink twice if it's more than ten. Oh, it had to be more than ten. If, if it's less than ten, then I'm really disappointed in you, Danny. <laughs> I think we lost. He just said it was twenty five. <laughs> he said it was twenty five. Bye, Peter. Cutting the phone line right there. I think we have to. I think we have to yeah. say bye. Okay. God dang it. We you gotta get what? him on again at some point. We haven't had him on in a long time, and they're literally driving through outstate New York right now to get to his line, Cooperstown. His line to me in the we press, love you, Gladys. Phone reception. His line to me in the press box, but before that that trip was, I'm going to spend an entire week in Chicago, and then they're going to go play the Brewers, and they are going to have to take me from Chicago to Milwaukee via ambulance. <laughs> via ambulance. <laughs> that was his. He's like, they're going to take me. They're, they're going to transport me. I said, this sounds like the greatest Gladdy trip of all time. <laughs> Although he's sitting right next to uh, the. The team president and the head of communication slash PR. Hey, nothing we zero can do. chance he's going to be able to answer that question. Nothing we can do about that. Uh, I wanted to ask him a couple more questions there, too. You know, one thing about Jack Morris, and it's, I don't know, I was going to say it's a little like Favre, if like Favre would have won the Super Bowl with the Vikings, mm-hmm. where one year of a guy 
and you think like twin for life, or if Brett Favre had, if they had won the Super Bowl in two thousand nine, Brett Favre would be Viking for life territory, right? <laughs> Number might but be you think, and maybe now. part of it's because Jack Morris is from Minnesota, so he's he's more Minnesotan because he's from Minnesota. Yeah. But but I think just just take away where he was born, based on what he did in that one year as a twin, mm-hmm. and based on what he did in Game Seven. Yeah. I feel like his accomplishments with the Twins, for people who are looking back 30 years later after his career's over, you almost put Tigers and Twins close to the same level, even though he spent over a decade with the Tigers, World Series with the Tigers, just like based on what he did in sure. that one year with the Twins, for the Twins to be up there compared to his Tigers that, reputation that game is seven, pretty amazing. That, that's, that goes down as, as one of the greatest Game 7s in sports history. Well, not just down, it goes down it's as one, one of the greatest, greatest games. games period. Yeah, in so yes, yeah. Um, and, and the thing about that too is, and and sports wise, one of the luckiest things of my life was being at Game Seven in '87, and then th- that one. Those are two of the greatest. So yeah, Morris, Morris, largely because he he was from here as well. But when you pitch in a game like that, and the legend is, and who knows what the actual total truth is, but when the legend is that your manager comes up to you and says. You're done. And you're like, no, I'm not. And, in fact, Stark had, when, when Stark joined us a couple of weeks ago, I think you were out, Phil, he had a Smoltz on. Mm-hmm. And he told us the story. He said, Smoltz tells a story now that he says, I wish I had had the cachet that Jack did to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't do it. I was too young. Yeah, well, what was, I mean, that was, he, he was a rookie, right? I think he was, young, was yeah. a rookie or something. But he yeah. wanted, but, you, you know, in retrospect, because that was such a well-pitched game, his point was, I wish I could have said that too, because mm-hmm. I would have. Yeah. Now, I think if you played that game over again now, both starters are out by like the seventh inning because analytics and oh, just yeah. the way the game you is evolved, and you're gonna you're gonna bring in a flamethrower reliever. I mean, guys didn't teams didn't have five flamethrower lights out relievers lined up that they they stacked up at the trade deadline, right? So you were more likely to ride a starting pitcher. Jack would have been throughout done. the whole game. Yes. Jack, Jack would have Jack would have been ticked off but done after 7. So dang it, that sucks. We we haven't had Gladden on uh all year really. We haven't had him on in like almost a full calendar year, but uh, the reception gremlins the gods of uh cell phone reception were not kind to him. So Chris Singleton will join later this hour. Actually, a report just came out during that segment. Another Twins pitcher that we haven't talked a lot about drawing significant trade interest according to Ken Rosenthal. Mackie and Judd TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please Continue. On fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, you want some you want some speculation here? It's not even that reckless. No, because it's, it's incredible. Point. Yeah. <laughs> reckless speculation. All right, two, two names, two names. I'll go I'll go back. Uh this is something from yesterday. John Heyman. Yep. From MLB Network. He said before the Yankees traded for J.A. Happ, they spoke to the Twins about Irvin Santana and other pitchers, maybe Jake Odorizzi and, and Kyle Gibson. Mm-hmm. I do find that the timing of Irvin Santana's return to be interesting. They're trying to rush him out for one or two starts before July 31st. Are they going to be able to get two out of him? What's the? I'm trying to think of the math. Uh, yeah, they should be well, able to. Start get, on, he'll start on Monday, right? Start on a Wednesday, correct? Yeah. So they'll they'll get two starts. Yeah, okay. But if you could trade him, trade him. Yeah, that's I'm, I'd be absolutely fine with that. That'd be a good deal for sure. So here's the one that just came out in the last hour. This is interesting. Yeah, I'm reading this from MLBTradeRumors.com. It's via Ken Rosenthal, the Athletic. Mm-hmm. Virtually every contender 
has reached out to the Twins to inquire about Ryan Presley. The strong levels of interest have compelled the Twins to at least listen to offers on Presley, who's controlled through the 2019 season. In the midst of his best major league season to date, former Rule 5 pick, yada yada, second highest spin rate in the major leagues, a nod to his curveball, which does indeed check in second behind only Garrett Richards in terms of spin rate. And he's only earning $1.6 million this year, so he's under team control for at least another season. It depends on, I'd have to go look at the arbitration and his clock and everything, but I believe he's not a free agent until maybe 2020. So you'd get you'd you'd get one more year after this of Ryan Presley. You see, you get him for two stretch runs, basically a year and a half before he hits free agency. And because he only makes a million and a half this year, whoever would trade for him, or if the Twins were to keep him, he'd probably only make about three and a half or four million dollars next year too. Yep. For a guy who has absolutely figured out a lot of things this year, uh, he's got a, a career high strikeout rate. He's got one of the best strikeout rates of any reliever in baseball. And he's slotted in as the, one of the Twins' most reliable setup guys. If you could, if you could trade him for something like a starter, of, a young starter, for like six years of a good starting pitcher, I think you do it because you should be able to. He's a Rule Five guy that Terry Ryan and company found. Yeah. If you're scouting and developing and even drafting well, you should be able to just churn and find guys like Presley. So if a team wants to give you a really good prospect or a guy who's major league ready, yep. and you get six years of that player yep. for a for a seventh or eighth inning reliever who's going to be 30 years old, I think you pull the trigger on that too. And I think that the conversations here are also about um, control in, into future years. Because if you look at it now, if you try and trade Dozier, you might get something back. But if you tie him to Presley, it's going to help you. Yep. So there, there's two different things at play here. There are guys who they obviously would like to dump off, but teams are going to say, okay, this guy's going to help us for the stretch run, and then mm-hmm. he's going to walk away. So we're not going to give you a top prospect for mm-hmm. that player. We'll give you a prospect, a, a decent little player, but we're not going to, to give you something. So if you sweeten that pot and then say, okay, we're, we're going to put in a bullpen guy who you've got control of, so let's take it from a nice prospect to, let's say, a guy between 5 and 10. And here's the reality that we live in right now in this uh, trade deadline world. It's very likely Ryan Presley is more valuable than Brian Dozier. Right. Because more teams are going to be interested in a lights out strikeout reliever. And he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be a closer. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even, he would probably slot in as like the fourth, third or fourth best reliever. He'd be a guy that comes in in the sixth or seventh inning on a real contending team. And, uh, and he would put out fires and he, he would just be a guy that could kind of, kind of come in with less pressure to like, hey, we're, the game's not riding on you in the ninth. I mean, it's, the game is still riding on the seventh, but there's going to be, if this report is credible, there's going to be eight teams interested in Ryan Presley. Mm-hmm. How many teams are interested in just a second baseman right now? Milwaukee a is. Probably. I mean, the, the Phillies want an infielder, so Eduardo Escobar is more versatile. Maybe three. But, I, but I'm, th- I, I'm thinking if you have eight teams all sort of in the mix for a year and a half of Ryan Presley, you're likely to get more for him in a trade right. than Brian Dozier in a trade, just right. based on timing and market and, and teams that but are interested. But if you attach him to Dozier, that, that's where I think you can actually get a pretty good deal back then. Yeah, but there's but what I'm saying is there's maybe only one team that would trade for Brian Dozier, and it's the Brewers. So you, it would have to be that the Brewers trade for both Presley and Dozier. You might want to consider Boston. Yeah. Boston can use help both ways. And Boston... Uh, the the last I saw, there there's no guarantee when Pedroia is going to come back if he's going to come back. 
So you might want to say to the Red Sox, you know what? He's right here, mm-hmm. and uh, we can leave. Uh, we, we can trade you Presley too. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to help you out. So yeah, yeah, it does it because I think the problem is in in these conversations we, we get fixated on certain names, and you think think to yourself, well, I've seen that guy play for a long time, and he's good. But if he's going to hit the market after the season. You're only going to get so much. Teams are teams are not going to in 2018 at least mortgage their future for a guy who's going to uh, be free to walk a- after the year. They'll give you a little something. Mm-hmm. So I think all all these conversations come back to to people who say, "What? Why would you trade a guy if he's under your control? It's to get more for mm-hmm. him." Doesn't it feel like something's going to happen maybe today or tomorrow? I don't know if this goes to July 31st. I feel I like they've got w- so many guys to trade that they yeah. almost have to start unleashing. Yeah, I think the Dozier thing strikes me, and that this is just a complete guess, reckless as it might be. The Dozier thing strikes me as they've probably been shopping him for a while, and they can't get back with what they think they should. And so the reality now is who can they attach to him to get more? I think they probably thought, oh, we'll, we'll get something nice back back for him, and team said, ah, no, we're not going to give you that much. Reckless speculation! I keep refreshing MLB trade rumors every five minutes. I remember the first time I discovered this website. Do you remember where you were when you discovered MLBTradeRumors.com? I do not. I'm going to have to admit. As big a geek as I am, I don't have any recollection. It was 11 years ago. It was the Johan Santana offseason. And it was like November, so Thanksgiving time into the winter meetings in early December. And this website, I think this website was new. Yep. And now it's like social media kind of takes over for speculation, but... I just remember all of the Boston and New York names being thrown out. Young Phil Hughes, Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury, I remember vividly being thrown uh, John out. John Lester, I think, was a name, yep. maybe even then being thrown out. Yep. Uh, who was that other dude? Um, Masters, is it Masterson? He pitched for the Indians Justin for a while. Masterson? Justin Masterson was a name being yeah, thrown out. Yeah, he finally out. broke down. Yeah, and you, yeah. Could, you could just refresh this website every five minutes. You know minutes what makes me stuff. mad? What makes me really mad now, this time of year makes me... M- more upset about the, the hot stove league being essentially dead. I love this stuff. Like, this is the stuff I love. And this is why it absolutely sucks in December now that it's that guys don't sign. Yeah. They've got to do something to shorten the window just to make, they've got to create some frenzy of activity. And the salary cap is what does it in the other sports because, like, oh man, you got to, I mean, it's like everyone kind of knows what money they're going to make, and so there's really no negotiation about money. Oh, you get, NBA, you're going to be a max guy. Now you just have to instantly pick which team you want, right? In football, you just gobble guys yep. up. And in baseball, it's, well, you know what? You guys are offering $200 million. We want $300 million. But this okay, is what, well, there's this no is, salary cap, so. This is what every major sport needs. It's good for the sport. It's fun. The speculation is fun. And, and baseball used to be the best, and now it's the worst. Yep. We need... Five callers and maybe more because we're going to play Steal the Loot when we come back for some free Red Cow Red Rabbit. We need five callers and maybe more, just depending on how this shakes out. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Game show Friday. And also Chris Singleton uh, before the hour is over. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. Game Show. It is Game Show Friday. 
with Maggie and Judd. Here are your hosts, Phil Mackey and Judd Zogan. Hey, all right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Back at full strength on a game show Friday, sponsored by Red Cow and Red Rabbit this week. In fact, our grand prize here. That's right. Those are two of our favorite establishments in the Twin Cities, growing. Indeed they are. Thriving. We have a $50 Red Cow or Red Rabbit gift card to use on whatever you want. I recommend, had this last night, the arugula and salmon salad with a wild mushroom flatbread slash pizza. Red Rabbit for brunch has become my favorite destination. So good. Uh, So thank you to Red Cow Red Rabbit for powering this edition of Game Show Friday. And to the winner, $50 and whatever you want, Manhattans and food, (laughs) whatever you want, whatever you want. Um, We have five contestants right now. We have Tubby, Brent, Paul, Greg, and Will. And we might even need more. Just depends. Sometimes, Sometimes this game lasts a long time. Sometimes it's a quick one. Dave, what game will these guys be playing today? Tubby, Brent, Will, Greg, and the other guy, get ready for a very special Jack Morris Hall of Fame edition of Steal the Loot! Steal the Loot. Here's how this works. We have five questions, all Jack Morris related. And uh, whoever gets the fifth one correct wins the free food. But we go in order. So... We're going to get Tubby on first here. If Tubby gets all five correct, we don't even go to the other callers. Tubby wins the prize. If Tubby gets, let's say, the first two correct and then whiffs on the third, we hang up on him abruptly. We get to Brent, and then Brent starts off on the third question. Well, we say thank you, though. It's possible Thanks caller, for calling, Tubby, we'll say. Maybe not, though. We might not say thank you. I would you. not be. I, I'm not a jerk. Uh, it, might, it might be that Tubby wins it all. It might be that the 20th caller wins it all. As people drop off the line, have the number nearby, 651-646-8255. You are kind of a jerk. <laughs> That's what Dave was indicating from the other studio. <laughs> Thanks, big voice guy. Tubby, do you understand the rules? I know my Jack Morris. Let's do this. Oh, oh Tubby. Tubby's confident. Yes. He comes in cocky. All right. Uh, Judd, why don't you start us off? All right, Tubby, we'll start with this one. Uh, where did Jack Morris go to high school? Creaked. And we're off. <laughs> Confidence didn't mean much. <laughs> Who we got next? All right, we've got, let's see here. We've got Brent on the line, which means we have an open line because Confident Tubby was wrong on the first one. 651-646-8255. Hey, Brent. Brent? Hey, guys. Where did? Uh, yep. I'm not as confident in my Jack Morris, so maybe I'll get one right. All right. All right, same question to start you off with. Where did the Blackjack go to high school? Highland Park. All right. All right, we're off to the races. Uh, Brent is in the cockpit here. Question number two. How many World Series winning teams did Jack Morris play for? Uh, three. Thanks for calling, Brent. See you right there. Classy. I'm not in love with the phrasing of this question. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> wow! Paul, how many World Series winning teams did Jack Morris play for? Four. Hey, Paul. <laughs> I'm the other guy. <laughs> Paul, what's up? He played for four World Series winning teams, three franchises. And I'm wondering if, and now it's over, Brent is off the line. Paul got it. Um, I blame Charlie on this one. 
<laughs> we, yeah, we can. He's still in town. <laughs> uh, Detroit, Minnesota, and two with Toronto. If you didn't like it, rephrase. You don't have to read the teleprompter well, like you're wrong. Okay, I knew this was going to I knew he was going to get prickly. Two with Toronto, All right. yes. All right, Paul, here's your next question. Which American League Central teams did Jack Morris not pitch for? Not pitch for. AL Central. AL Central. Kansas City. Chicago. Current AL Central or back when he was there? <laughs> Current. Uh, Kansas City. Chicago. I think that's it. Is there another central team? I know he played for Cleveland, Detroit, and Minnesota. Five seconds. Right. Is that a final answer? Yeah. So you're saying those two teams. Very good. All right. That's that's a tricky one there because a lot of people wouldn't think Indians. I, I wouldn't have thought I Indians. I forgot Cleveland. But he ended his career with the Indians, right? And then he pitched for the Saints. All right. Question number four. Again, we have five questions. Red cow, red rabbit, free food on the line. And whoever gets the fifth one correct steals the loot. So Paul is in control right now, but we'll see what happens. How many times did Jack Morris lead the American League in wins? Oh, my word. <laughs> Five seconds. Three. No, oh, we love you, Paul. Oh, Bye, so Paul. close, Paul. See you later. Thanks, Paul. All right, Greg is in the driver's seat now. What's up, Greg? Hey, guys. How many times did Jack Morris lead the American League in wins? One. Ah, uh, this game is amazing. On to our fifth contestant, Will. Hello, Will. Hey. How many times did Jack Morris lead the American League in wins? Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say twice. There it is. All right. Very nice, Will. All right, we Very uh, nice. we have we have other contestants ready to steal the fifth question here, but Will can put an end to it all if he gets this correct. And if you do, it's going to be impressive because here's the question: Jack Morris started 37 games for the Tigers in 1983. How many of those ended as complete games, Will? You say how many did he start? No, no, he start. I I gave you 37 starts in '83. How many did did he finish? How many were complete games? Nine. All right. Open phone line six five one six four six eight two five five. Dave. Yes. Jack Morris started yes. 37 games for the Tigers in 1983. How many of those 37 starts were complete games? Twelve. I'm going to let the phone lines catch up here. 651-646-8255. in Red Cow, Red Rabbit on the line. Ron, are you with us? Yep. Uh, just a guess, 11. All right, Ron. Who's next? Tom is next. All right. We got to slow it down a little here just because like, we're dropping them faster than we're picking them up. 37 starts for the Tigers by Blackjack in 1983. How many of those did he finish? How many of those 37 starts were complete games? Well, I know that was kind of his thing. He was a big complete game guy. I'm going to say 20. A lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. You might have looked it up, but that's God fine. Bless you. That's fine. Yep. That's the name that's, of the game. I know. You, you got that yep. opportunity. Tom, congratulations. Enjoy. Uh, you have won $50 to Red Cow, Red Rabbit. You have 10 seconds to thank anyone in your life that got you to this point. Uh, I'm going to give a big shout out to my wife and to uh, my dad for being as big a sports nerd as I am. There Very it is. nice. All right, Tom. Enjoy the uh, gift certificate. You'll have fun at either establishment. We'll, we'll throw Tom on hold there.
That's I like that last little tricky one there. Twenty complete games in one season. That's aggressive, and that's and that's why he constantly complains. Are there going to be twenty complete fact. games in the major leagues this year? I'll bet there's not twenty. Probably complete. not. Probably no. Oh, maybe though. I guess like if if two thirds of the teams had won, there's going to be yeah, there'll be like thirty or forty or something. But that's uh twenty is not attainable anymore in today's game. Um, Jack and Bert very upset about that. You know that that is correct. We can ask Chris Singleton about Jack Morris and and he faced or uh, at least was around f- at least four of the Hall of Famers late nineties early two thousands Jim Tomey and uh, Chipper Jones Trevor Hoffman Vladdy. Vladimir Guerrero. TCL Broadcast Studios, our friend Chris Singleton joins next to talk some baseball, trade rumors, and Hall of Fame. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Guys that can make a difference. Guys that can give you that spark. Guys that give you something just a little bit different. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now with former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. Mackie and Judd, Chris Singleton, traveling man because uh, he does Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio. And this is Hall of Fame weekend, Chris Singleton. And there's a, there's a lot of guys in, in your wheelhouse of when you played in the in the early 2000s. The, the Jim Tomey, Vladimir Guerrero, Chipper Jones, Trevor Hoffman group. I'm guessing you've uh, been around those guys quite a bit in your baseball life. Yeah, I would say in order, probably Jim Tomey, Vladimir Guerrero, um, then Chipper and Trevor, like about the same. Not a whole lot. You know, those guys being National League guys and me being primarily an American League guy. Um, So, you know, I do remember facing Trevor Hoffman, and, you know, it wasn't a hard thrower, but it was just amazing. He created really good angles really, really good angles, and from his release point to where as he was throwing to the catcher's mitt, um, you know, it was really changing planes, and that, that's one of the things, along with that great changeup that made it so good. Um, but yeah, mostly, you know, Jim Tomey playing in the American League Central and, you know, him being a Cleveland Indian and just the battles that we would have with the White Sox and uh, with the Indians, and, you know, I don't remember catching a whole lot of uh, fly balls from Jim Tomey. I remember <laughs> a lot of I remember watching a lot of them sail into the seats, but uh, I don't remember catching a whole lot of them. And uh, it was it was pretty interesting because when a guy like that was up at the plate, you uh, you know you're you're kind of a spectator, you're an outfielder, but you also know that wow, this is pretty special. And this guy's got power; like he can get beat on a fastball and hit the ball out for a home run the other way. So it was really kind of like you know watching and playing against Paul Bunyan all those years. Hey, was, was there one uh, Tommy home run in particular that stands out though? One blast that uh, you you thought wasn't going to, going to land in the same zip code as the ballpark you were playing in? Ha, ah, that's a good question. But I, I can't. The most memorable for me, which this is going to sound funny, and it's not necessarily that you know it was just this mammoth shot. But I was actually broadcasting, and I was just my first year broadcasting when Jim Tommy hit his 500th home run, and we were on the call uh, at Farmer and I when he hit home run number 500. So, you know, that was pretty cool, especially, you know, at a time where it's like, man, 500 home runs, that's that's a ton. You know, it's a lot. Not as many guys were eclipsing that and, and then even getting into 600. But, yeah, I just, you know, I remember, um, I remember calling a game and there's a pretty, you know, there's a Cubs pitcher. It was Cubs and, I think, White Sox in spring training. And, 
you know, Jim told me he's getting beat by fastballs in the at-bat. And I said on the air, I said, man, you know what? He's so strong. He can still hit the ball the other way. And he got beat by another fastball. And it just looked looked bad. And the ball just carried out of the ballpark. And you say, man, that's just – that's really – it's it's not fair to have that kind of power. But, you know, along with Jim being such a great player and obviously a Hall of Famer, you talk about a person, um, one of the best people that – you know, I've met and come across in the game. And something that was so cool about Jim was that when he, after he hit his 500th home run, he had a, a whole bunch of stack of the photos of his swing on that 500th home run. And he signed, personally signed photos for all these, all the people working in the White Sox, like, you know, front office, people just working, you know, desk jobs in, in the offices that really weren't, didn't have anything to do necessarily with the on-field guys. But, like he went through the offices and signing autographs for everyone. It was just really cool, you know. And that that's kind of the Hall of Fame type of character, I guess you'd say, to go along with the numbers. Yeah, his he's got. A, I I covered him as a beat writer for a couple of years in Minnesota. I just remember at first I thought there's no way this is there's no way this is his real personality. There's zero right. chance that the guy can be that nice and everything you hear and then all 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 that you experience. It's this cartoonishly nice, gentle personality. For a guy who hits the ball 550 feet. Right. Yeah, and Jim, you know, there's certain people, guys, like Mike Sweeney with the Royals was one of those guys. Jim Tomey, you know, one of those guys. Like, strong guys that were, you know, really, you know, good players, great players, but their kindness and their generosity uh, was, you know, cream of the crop. And Jim Tomey, you know, you, I, I don't even think Jim Tomey would have had to have had the numbers that he had to get a lot of votes for Hall of Fame because just like yourself, you know, he touched a lot of people um, throughout the grind. You know, it's one thing for guys after they're done and all of a sudden they pivot and they become media friendly and maybe become part of the media, but their entire <laughs> career they were really standoffish. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Jim Tomey's was never that way. I mean, he's he's been the same guy since day one. So, um, you know, just really happy for him, but not something that, you know, is, is a surprise at all. All right, Chris Singleton, is it too much of a hot baseball take to say that let, let's take Barry Bonds and put him on a, on a different level, that during that era, Vladimir Guerrero might have been the most impossible guy to pitch to, swung at everything, <laughs> never struck out, hit for power. Uh, there's those clips. There's like a clip of him hitting a ball that bounced off the ground for a, you know, a laser to right center that, that floats around the Internet. Is that, I mean, I, I just feel like if you're a pitcher, like what do you do with a guy like that? Yeah, that's that's a, that's, that's great. And that's true. You know, Bonds obviously was very selective. You know, he wasn't going to swing at something that he didn't like. I remember, you know, watching Bonds when I was with the Orioles. We were playing the Giants in San Francisco, and it was three at-bats. He'd seen one pitch that was called a strike, and it was a borderline call. So he never lifted the bat off his shoulders for three at-bats. And finally, that next at-bat, he gets a pitch in the zone and he whacks it off the right center field wall. You're just saying to yourself, man, that is that's that's incredible. But with Vladimir, I mean, his ability just to eye hand coordination and you know and get the fat part of the bat to the ball on so many occasions. Yeah, I mean, and he, and he was a big guy too. So his plate coverage. I mean, I would have loved to have seen him play cricket just to see how <laughs> that how that would translate. Because as you said, yeah, he hit balls that it bounced. Of the of the ground, I mean that's kind of cricket, right? So, uh, just seeing his you know his athleticism and how good he is, I don't think there are many people that could cross over you know to cricket or from cricket to baseball. But 
if I was to pick one guy, and I think a lot of people would agree in baseball, if you had to pick one guy in baseball that could have been real good in cricket, I think it's Vladimir Guerrero. So, Chris, I'm down about one th- thing here, though. I-, I guess he's going to wear an Angels cap going into the hall. I really was hoping it would be an Expos cap. Yeah. It would have been uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it would have. It would have. Um, yeah, a lot of things would have been cool about Montreal had, you know, the franchise and everything, you know, been able to stay. And I know a lot of people are talking about, you know, getting a franchise back there. It's, you know, thriving, exciting place for baseball. But, yeah, and, you know, the Angels, I mean, he spent a lot of time there. And uh, I get it. I understand it. And, mm-hmm. and, and for me personally, that's the – that's. That's where you remember him. Um, obviously, the, the, the longest, because he was there the longest, but it was pretty exciting when he was young and some of those players that they had in Montreal and, and just how athletic but also good they were. Um, there was a lot of excitement with it, but I, I get you. I mean, I think a lot of us would like to see that Expos hat like brought back to life and, and perhaps the franchise being up there again. What's your theory on the Oakland A's, Chris? This is... It's classic Billy Bean Oakland, right? Go into the year, little expectations, and all of a sudden you're like 18 games over 500, and uh, most casual fans can't name a guy in your roster. Right, I know. It's uh, and it's like each year, it seems like it gets more and more removed. Um, you know, just the players on that team, but you know they've got some, you know, some guys. Obviously, with Matt Chapman, Cal State Fullerton kid, and. You know, solid player, great defender at third base, and Chris Davis, who hits the ball a mile himself. Um, and then Jed Lowry, an all-star this year, right? So you got these guys. It's kind of a interesting mix of, of, you know, headline guys on the team. But, you know, me having played in Oakland, um, you know, for the A's, I just remember, and this came up recently talking to some Yankees folks. You're talking about Sonny Gray and um, – the difference in Oakland and maybe a lot of other places, like you have a lot of fun playing in Oakland, in that clubhouse, in that dugout, and it's really hard to describe. I I felt like when I was there that it was kind of like Little League because, you know, we're in the dugout, we're playing games, laughing, having fun, the game's going on, and we're beating people at the same time. And it was just a different, I don't know if it's the Cali mentality or the Bay Area mentality, um, but it's a really fun place to play, and I think that's part of, along with having, you know, really good people in executive positions and making decisions and trying to work with with a certain type of budget or certain level. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a unique place to play, and and all we hear about it, all oh, the you know the showers weren't working or the locker, the clubhouse was flooded <laughs> because of sewage, you know, this and another, but. If you could kind of remove some of those negative things that we see about Oakland, you'd say, "Wow, you know, this is this is a kind of a cool team." And it, it's most years it's been a team that you've had some type of interest in it. But these comebacks that we've seen, you know, that's been a lot of fun. And uh, my buddy Roxy Bernstein's been over there. He's had some of the calls on this last road trip. He actually caught a foul ball. I don't know if you guys saw it the other day. We played it. He described it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's great. So. Uh, but, yeah, it's exciting, and I, I, I think it's great for baseball when Oakland uh, plays well because, you know, people get exposed to, hey, this is, a, this is a fun club. This is a fun franchise. What contender uh, is going to surprise or disappoint you if they don't make a move by Tuesday's deadline, Chris? Um, let's see. They don't make a move. I think, I think the Dodgers – 
even though they got Manny Machado, I still think, and I've got Dodgers tonight, actually. I just flew back into Atlanta. I've got Braves, Dodgers, and SunTrust. But I, I really think the Dodgers need another starting uh, pitcher. And, you know, you had Kershaw, who's missed time a couple times this uh, this year. I mean, he's, uh, he's been on the disabled list. And, yeah, other guys like Ross Stripling and Rich Hill, Kentamaeda, they pitched well. But, again, you know, with the back injury that's become sort of chronic for Clayton Kershaw, if he go to, goes down again, yeah, those guys pitched well when he was out, but you're really you're really reaching and you're asking for a lot in terms of depth. And I think they're a team that they they need another starter and they need another frontline starter, and that can maybe push one of their starters to the bullpen and give them a little more depth there uh, to get the ball to Jansen. But I, I think as well as they played and the adversity that they've overcome, if they're not able to make that move, perhaps for like maybe a Chris Archer or someone like that. Um, I, I think it's you know, they're going to end up coming up short. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a fun few days here, and we expect fully expect the Twins to give us something to talk about by next Friday too. They've got so many guys that are floating out there, and uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty for next Friday. Man, have fun this weekend watching and uh, and calling baseball. Chris, we'll catch up on Friday next week. See you, Chris. Okay, guys, sounds good. Thanks. Have All a great right. weekend. Chris Singleton good. from ESPN and ESPN Radio. Dodgers. Yeah. Hmm? That's interesting. The Dodgers could use starting pitching. Yeah, and like you can never trust that Clayton Kershaw is going to be uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. Walker Bueller has been a bright young rookie for them. He's one of the top young pitching arms or prospects in baseball, and he's made like ten starts for them. But they're limiting his innings. Like he and I think he got rocked a little bit sometime this week. Like you're not going to rely on him probably in October. Right. Yep. So I don't know that. It's interesting to uh, to see if they might trade for a Chris Archer, like like Singleton said. So he was on the 03 A's team. Mm-hmm. So he was on. They won ninety four games. That was uh, a year or two after Giambi had left. So Scott Hatterberg was the first baseman. It was like the one of the money classic Moneyball A's teams. We should ask him about that era a little bit more one of these times before the season. I just over. think it's f- funny because that stadium is a complete dump. Like they play in a dump. There's sewage. In the dugouts, there is. I've been there once when, when I covered the Packers Raiders game, the Favre game in 2003, and there is. It's not quaint. There's nothing redeeming about that place at all. And yeah. the fact and the fact that they the fact that they consistently pop up and contend at times mm-hmm. is amazing. I mean, they have like the credit if, to you, them if you look at their team, their pitchers. I mean, I don't know if you don't if you don't play deep fantasy baseball leagues. Sean Manaya is their number one starter. Oh yeah, I can't name most of them. Uh, Frankie Montes is one of their top starters. <laughs> yep, they've got relievers like Lou Trevino. When's the last time you sat down and watched an A's game? Hey, I got to catch you. Late night. at nights. So yeah, you're yeah, not. So you're not gonna. All right. When we come back, we're gonna get Matthew Collar in on this. We will make our official 2018 Mister Mankato predictions. And we also have another game show. We're going to give away more prizes in the new hour, too. So once we play the game show music, have the number written down, 651-646-8255. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.